Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasai Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here today with Dr. James Anusko at his house in Peterborough, Ontario. James is a permanent faculty member at Northern Lakes College and an adjunct professor in uh, graduate studies in the Frost Centre for Canadian Studies and Indigenous Studies at Trent University. James is the author of the book Boom Kids, Growing Up in the Calgary Suburbs, 1950-1970. I'm Dr. Catherine Viscardis, and James and I have been colleagues for quite some time now, um, both at Trent and at Northern Lakes College, and it's a pleasure to be interviewing you today, James, about a topic that we are both quite passionate about and um, we have some similarities and some divergences and that's the histories of children and youth um, in Canada. So I'll start by asking you a little bit about or you could tell us about um, the motivations that you had for writing this book. What inspired you? Because I know that you do work with um, children and youth in other capacities Mm -hmm. as well outside of academia. Um, and yeah, just maybe tell us a bit about how you came to this project. Yeah, thanks, Kate, so much. And it's uh, yeah, great to be with you uh, here. It doesn't. It seems a little surreal with all that we've <laughs> gone through over years and things too. So yeah. it's wonderful. And, and thanks for taking the time to do this uh, for sure. I, I, I really appreciate. Uh, the opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I think it started um, uh, with my MA work. I had taken, uh, there was a little bit of gap between, well, not a little, 10 years between my, my Bachelor of Arts and my Master's work. And it was in that time, as I went back to do my Master's and started thinking about the kind of project I'd like to, to work on and things, I, I turned to, to, yeah, children and childhood and youth. I, it was It was a field that still seemed rather nascent i've used that word mm-hmm. before in in kind of the as i did that in the in the early 2000 well not quite the early 2000s but later later part of that that first decade and mm-hmm. and sure enough i yeah i just thought there's there's too many voiceless there's yeah. too many unvoiced mm-hmm. too and and um i also I, I really thought that that those stories were important ones to tell and 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 mm-hmm. i think what really piqued my my interest uh, too in the in the field the key was just realizing this how rich um, those narratives are and and as I came to read other people in the field too and, and understood that so many times um, they're left out and that's that's probably mm-hmm. some of the influence of of some of the work I did at both the MA and the in the PhD level with with people that uh, have a lot invested in uh, in feminism too and advanced feminisms and so um, learning from all of them and, and and thinking about some of the intersections between childhood history and and then as it developed more materialist feminist uh, history too I think um, it just it, it felt natural to be yeah. honest too and uh, 
and yeah, I, I guess in, in reading in the field too, like there, there were books, but I just, I, I continually felt there weren't enough books. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that was part of it too. And reading the Sutherlands and the Sangsters and the Kamakios and, and, uh, and, and some of them, and then followed later by the Gleasons and the, uh, and Tamara Myers and, and, and all the others. It, it just, yeah, it, it felt like the, it felt like mm-hmm. the right thing to mm-hmm. do that way for sure. Yeah, yeah, you say that you had felt like there were so many voices that were missing from like narratives and especially narratives about childhood. Yeah. And that was something that I felt when I was reading your book, mm-hmm. something that really stood out to me was I felt like you were the whole thing, the whole book as a whole seemed to challenge this common idea that children are passive, that um, you know, we, we often hear people talk about children and youth as being sponges. Mm-hmm. I hear that as a parent. Oh, they're sponges. They'll take in everything and yes. they'll copy what you're doing. Yes. And to some degree, that is true, isn't it? They yes. they do. But um, I think in your book, you really show us that actually these are people with histories in their own right. And they have played such a major role in constructing their own experiences. And there's one chapter that stood out to me in terms of this, and it was the things that go bump in the night. And you talk about (laughs) some of these teenagers, I think mostly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. were sneaking out Mm -hmm. of their houses at night. Mm -hmm. Um, They were supposed to be in bed and they're Mm -hmm. going out, going to like discos or parties Mm -hmm. or something. Mm And, and, you know, that really stood out to me because it shows that there is another side, that they have these histories that are, you know, go beyond our understandings. And to some degree, you do highlight there, were, um, there was gender socialization going on. They were picking up on these traditional gender roles that were being passed on. Mm-hmm. But it was more nuanced than that. They were negotiating their own experiences. Was that important to you to get across? In, in Absolutely. The that, that was, I mean, you've, you've hit the proverbial nail on the head for sure. Okay, that, that's exactly what I wanted people to see from this too. And it's almost a, it, it's almost a, a case of, of, of wanting to defend them alongside themselves. Because they're capable mm-hmm. of doing that, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and you're right. That comes to the crux of, of, of my thoughts on, on childhood and children and youth too. Certainly you're often in, in positions where um, Foucault talks about this and others too, where, where you're oppressed, um, you are marginalized, you're othered, mm-hmm. but then at the same time that it, it's not complete. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the book helps to demonstrate is that they had something to say in the moment. Mm-hmm. They have something to say now about this yeah. and, and just that so many times, um, that's, it, it, you're right, that, that sponge, um, metaphor um, is is apropos in, in in some ways, but but in other ways it doesn't make a lot of sense. And and that that children are mediating everything. Like like I think drawing <laughs> on someone like and and I I mean people don't use it as much as they think it should, but but like early Stuart Hall um, mm-hmm. work on 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 how we either um, negotiate meaning mm-hmm. or we we sometimes have oppositional meaning. Sometimes we just draw all in it, and children <laughs> do that too, <laughs> right? I mean, who hasn't had the eye roll who hasn't had the tantrum who hasn't had <laughs> them do that right and and so um and and there were stories in in the book right where i mean somebody 
Absolutely. That, that chapter, by the way, yes, easily my favorite to write. I'd like to do a whole, at some point I, I want to do a whole book that just focuses that across different time frames too, because for some young people, absolutely, the night means an mm-hmm. awakening mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, without question. And actually one of the stories yeah, from the book too, one, one of them was as little as, as, I think she was only six or seven. She talked about that, sneaking into backyards and playing among yeah. the backyards too. But there were others that snuck out, absolutely, that were older and going places. <laughs> with older siblings too but I want to demonstrate that that this happens at Mm -hmm. at younger Mm -hmm. ages Mm -hmm. uh, too but yeah just getting back to that meaning for a second too I think that's really important because children uh, yes they absorb to an extent but but they also they choose again using that metaphor when to wring the sponge out when they Mm -hmm. when they Mm -hmm. don't want Mm -hmm. when they want to block what's Mm -hmm. coming into and and uh, and and like I say in that one chapter too I had uh, uh, a man talk about how he just would not get up and, and do the Lord's Prayer, like back mm-hmm. in the 60s too, right? And we think of some of that as contemporary, and, and we think always, what are we, uh, some people think, what are we robbing from not doing those things, or, or God save the king, or God save the queen, or, or the, the, the national anthem too, but um, this young man had already decided he was an atheist and, and didn't do that, and his parents supported him in that too, and so those acts mean a lot, and here he mm-hmm. was in his early 60s, remembering that and thinking about the support that his yeah, family gave yeah. him and how, how that was important on so many levels too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that's just, just such an important part mm-hmm. of, of the book about the children um, taking a, an active role and, and yeah. not just being yeah. passive receptacles for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Being able to yeah. choose what to keep and what to, you know, push back against. And the theme of social class does come up in your work. And do you feel like that was something that was important in in some of these stories, people's memories, in terms of how they were able to resist some things? Because I think a lot of the the children um, and youth whose experiences are portrayed in the in the book are of more of that middle class um, background and in, in, in working class children and youth mm-hmm. do come up as well. Mm-hmm. Did, did that seem to be something in those stories that allowed some of those children to feel maybe empowered in some way to have a bit more of that freedom to resist and, and challenge their, their authority figures in their lives a little bit more? C- certainly, and, and I think in some cases they were even... Uh, encouraged, maybe not mm. with the actual actions that they took, but they were encouraged <laughs> to have that mindset and to think that way too. And some of that was a socialization, I think, in the late 50s, 60s mm-hmm. too. Like they're, mm-hmm. Again, we can't separate them from any of those social mm-hmm. movements going on then too, but but absolutely class had something to do with that and, and privilege in some cases because yeah. some were... I mean, again, sometimes these these groupings are difficult to, to delineate too, but some were certainly of a, of a middle class bordering on an upper middle class mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. too. But in this neighborhood, not so much. So that that might have happened later on in some of their right. lives too, but, but absolutely, even at that stage. And some of what the book gets at is that because of at least the relative prosperity and some of the access to housing and things mm-hmm. too that happens mm-hmm. here in this period, right? You don't have seven and eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand dollar homes like you do now in that neighborhood, yeah. and and there was accessibility, and people, literally, that one family that went into a bank, and and the bank manager literally went in and gave her some of their own her own money to help the one family get a home too, right? So yeah. these children absolutely benefited um, from from some of that uh, too, and and they're. 
um, yeah, I think their ability to to act and and to be able to affect uh, some of what mm-hmm. was going on around them, both in schools, within their families, other institutions they were associated with. Certainly, there was a class element to yeah. that to, too. Yeah. Um, but I think also what what the book demonstrates is that the suburb. Um, wasn't what a lot of people want to think of when they think of a suburb. And that was another really important point mm-hmm. I wanted to, to do is that there's there's multiple suburbs, right? Richard Harris yeah, uh, yeah. taught us all of this uh, a long time ago too. But um, from a childhood perspective too, um, it's it's important also. Like these weren't these weren't enclaves. They, they, if, if you see some of the pictures and hopefully some of the descriptions that I gave to, there there's a lot of times minimal space between the homes. They're bungalows. Mm-hmm. They're they're 800, 900 square feet. Um, they're they're often not not big enough for the family, and 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 in the end have to be expanded a lot of times in the basement, and, and that's because yeah. of the children too. Whereas by the end of this era, you've got homes almost doubling in size in mm-hmm. Calgary and mm-hmm. elsewhere too, and so um, that's that's very that that's a very different experience too. But mm-hmm. of course, not everyone gets access to that. Whereas yeah. these working class families in, in many cases and certainly not everywhere, but in Calgary, at least uh, the access was, was, was there in some mm-hmm. of these, mm-hmm. these mixed residential suburbs, which again, not everyone associates um, sometimes with suburban lifestyles, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. without question um, these, these homes did and these, and the, and the accompanying lifestyle did too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's something else for me when I was reading the book that, that stood out, Oh, it was confirmed to me from reading your book was just how diverse the experiences of children and youth are because we often just talk about children and youth as this this group in society, right, and assume that there are these experiences that they each share. But when I think about your work in this book compared to my own research, which shows a very a, a very um, different experience of children, right, mine is looking at... Um, violence that children have experienced in closed institutions and they don't have access to some of the things that come up in your book as being very important. One thing you had talked about was the homescape. Mm-hmm. I really like that concept and, and, it, and it did, it was, it was strange because reading your book of these children's experiences and having some of that freedom and restrictions but a bit more of that freedom because they had families around them and the home, homescape as you say it confirmed to me how horrendous some of these other experiences are that children have had in the same country. But I think that's something else that's important about the contribution you've made is providing us with another look at something, at these experiences that children and youth have had, and it's just so diverse, right? Um, Was there anything in the book that you feel you would have wanted to incorporate or... You know, we know the process of editing. You've got to cut things out, and you might love it, right? You might love something that you've had to cut out to benefit. You know, you've got to make the book that people yeah. <laughs> want to, to read. Yeah. Um, is there any, like, deleted scenes, if you will, that you feel like people might be interested in, or you would, if you were to do something more with this, like, what would those 
um, yeah, things I mean, be. The, the list is probably too long to, to go through because, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. it's funny as you look at things. But I think the biggest thing was, and, and this was actually one of the first uh, uh, premises, was that it was going to be a comparative study. Right. So it, it was meant to be, um, I was going to do uh, this suburb in Calgary, and then it was mm-hmm. going to be comparative. Um, actually, what I wanted to do was with Don Mills, because Don Mills at that time was probably, not probably, it was the most known suburb uh, in in Canada, essentially, and even internationally, too. So part of what I, I wanted to, to, to look at was doing something comparative there. What I ended up having to do was kind of integrating that into the study and then mm-hmm. also using things like Crestwood nice. Heights and some of Sim's work that uh, um, then, then looked at... Um, yeah, and, and S.D. Clark's and, and some of those people's work that, that focused on Toronto and still integrated it. Mm-hmm. But I would have mm-hmm. loved to have, have, have done a set of oral histories and those oh, things too. Yeah. But, but again, this work is derived from my, uh, from my dissertation to then um, recreate that book, which, which might be a book that, that needs to happen at some point, right? <laughs> that, that does that uh, more too. I'm, I'm not necessarily the one that would write that. But, but I, 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 that would, to me, would be really fascinating too. Mm-hmm. And, and to, um, again, pick this, this rather, I mean, nondescript uh, suburb that, that not many people would have heard of even. <laughs> and, and even <laughs> people in Calgary, don't, don't necess- not everyone even knows Banff Trail when they hear that. Yeah. And it's been swallowed up over time a little bit uh, too, as Calgary has, has sprawled and, and changed over time uh, uh, too. But, but that would be one of the major things. And then, I mean, I, I would have sought, and, and if I do it again too, I would have sought um, voices that still I felt were that they were there somewhere, but I, I couldn't I couldn't find them down. Mm. I couldn't find that. So so uh, uh, newer Canadians, immigrants, um, mm-hmm. and some were, right. but are they new people like that? And and I could find them in some of the records, but um, and people of color. There, there was I mean there was nobody indigenous living in that okay. neighborhood. So so those are things that that um, that I. I still would have, I'd like to seek and understand mm-hmm. a little bit um, more in terms of representation and, mm-hmm. and how, yeah, just how um, any interactions would have gone on with, with somebody visiting that spot right. too or spending time there or had friends too because there was always these these one-offs almost too. It was, I mean, in, in, in your work, you were probably drawn to the one, they talked about the, I mean, there was the one child who, who, who didn't speak, seemed to be presenting maybe almost autistic was, was um, mm-hmm. other things was showing some other, uh, like basically nonverbal, some other things, but his treatment to me was fascinating there too, mm-hmm. how he mm-hmm. was almost everybody's little brother and people really took yeah, him on and, yeah. and, and he was safe everywhere. And that, again, I get chills almost talking about it because yeah, when you watch, when, when you see your work, like focusing on Hironi and some of these areas too, and, and the brilliant work that you've done there, I mean, it's heartbreaking, right? Because that's, yeah. that's all you want for them is, is something closer to, to this what, life that, yeah, that approximates what, what was going mm-hmm. on. And again, not that it was perfect because I, I think that chapter of the night and then another ones that looked at, at, um, at, at, at gender sexuality too. And mm-hmm. of course, when, when, young woman surviving like an attempted rape too. But then I think what, what, what strikes you in the book is that 
she comes home mm. and the support's not there though, right? Yeah. It's all about the boy and we don't want to make life miserable mm-hmm. for the boy. And mm-hmm. she hears all these conversations and she's someone that just wanted nothing to do with her. She, she, I remember her saying a few times during the interview, even too, as we did her oral history, like, like I have, I have really nothing good to say about that experience. She had to move from yeah. a rural experience and went there and, and it was really, really terrible too. So again, that was, that was a glimpse. Other violence a lot yeah. of times was, was uh, some of them, uh, some of the males that I interviewed did too, actually, and, and as, as young boys talking about that they actually reveled in, in some of that too. Mm-hmm. So it was a different mm-hmm. experience. They weren't necessarily victims of, of that uh, um, too. But, but yeah. Very uh, different experiences yeah. of home yeah. for these children, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and home, I mean, I think as you do this work more and more, what the homes, meanings of homes, homescapes, all mm-hmm. these things, mm-hmm. um, that it, it matters so much to young people. And, and I guess none of us should really be surprised by that, yeah, too. Yeah. And, and there's other uh, work uh, done done in the field that, that it does outside of Boom Kids, of course, that, that focuses on uh, focuses on that, too. But but yeah, you could see I, 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 you could see glints in eyes even as I, I would ask some of these people who hadn't been back in some cases to Banff Trail for years. Some people, interestingly, there was a couple of people that still lived there. They had liked it so much too, not in their childhood homes and things too. But but it was it was fascinating that way. But they they in some cases could have went for hours i know just mm-hmm, talking about mm-hmm. home and what it meant yeah. and things too and, and the vivid details some of them had taken out pictures and some of them had looked at things too because we we do reconstitute memory and we think about these things over time it's not like our childhood home we haven't thought about since we lived there right we've mm-hmm, talked mm-hmm. about it we've we've we, with siblings with with other family whomever it is too sometimes um we lived there um after post childhood uh, too but but I think, yeah, that concept of home is, is central to, to, to the book, but but central so many times to when you're doing studies mm-hmm, of childhood mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and children and youth too. Yeah. 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 There was another theme that really stood out to me um, in the book, and it's a theme of play, and it comes up um, quite frequently. And I really love what you do with that theme. There's some bits that I, I, I just loved reading about, you know, the... the um, young people going out and using the space that was available to them, using the space that's around them, and and how um, children and youth and their experiences and desires help to shape the the development of the suburb and the creation of parks and things. And there was one line that you wrote, mm-hmm. um, and I've I've got it written down here. We'll go into specifics. Um, it says transforming space for play is a universal childhood experience. Mm-hmm. Now this line mm-hmm. um, had me ha- thinking two things. Mm-hmm. Well, two mate. I mean, it yeah. had me thinking a lot yeah. Yeah. Um, about what you were saying and about my own research as well, mm-hmm. because it got me thinking about the kind of spaces that are available to children. And yes, this this way that you know many children do find a way to shape the space and make it their own in, in any way that they can. And, and that's such a, an amazing thought. You know, I think about my own kids, obviously, who, who, who doesn't, if you've got kids, it's hard not yeah. to think about that when you think of them um, using anything and it becomes something completely different. They transform it. 
so I was thinking that and I was thinking about my own research and, and in, the, in the limited spaces in the institution, the Huronia Regional Centre, where these kids were, were quote, living, like, mm-hmm. um, how, yeah. because this, I didn't necessarily think of this when I was doing my work, how mm-hmm. um, they could have been transforming that space in a way to mm-hmm. play. But then at the same time, my other thought was there are instances where, that would be incredibly challenging, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. there really, there, there might not be that that ability in a mm-hmm. way to transform space because mm-hmm. they're just so 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 restricted, yeah, and and, and 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 in fact, that experience of children playing in in your research it was another contrast directly with mine, um, where you know, playroom comes up in stories that are very violent. It was mm-hmm. a very violent space. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't. This isn't necessarily a question. It's mm-hmm. more of just mm-hmm. something that came up that it really had me thinking yeah. about this concept. And it just seems like play is so important, and children should have access to play. Every child should. But again, it's that diverse experience that we see in these histories of, of children and youth. Central, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do. I remember that line now that you mentioned because <laughs> I remember writing it and thinking, yeah. This one might resonate uh, in a few ways too, because it is. It's so important, and I think what's interesting too, Kate, though, is that sometimes that play is—it's so um, insular too that, that mm. sometimes they're not—they're mm-hmm. doing it in their mind, right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. I mean, I was just reading an article today about somebody lamenting, like handing over an iPad every time, or handing over uh, a phone mm. to a, to a little one when they when they seem bored, or, or you're worried about them not being creative, right? And 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 yeah, I mean, I, I think that's extremely harmful because mm-hmm. if there is one universal even in 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 the most horrific the most challenging uh, some of the worst situations uh, i think we're always struck by by little ones somehow finding just their mm-hmm. own moments to, yeah. to experience that and, and we sometimes we don't ask them sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes we don't recognize it as adults anymore too right but i think that ability is the greatest gift that i would love to be able to recapture always from mm-hmm. from little mm-hmm. ones because mm-hmm. i mean who of us too haven't had that experience of, of giving a, a lovely gift or a lovely toy in a box and, and, and the kids <laughs> expand about 10, 15 seconds yeah. with it on whatever it is. And then they end up for the rest of the day making a rocket ship, driving yeah. somewhere, yeah. right? Um, yeah. It's a house. It's a, exactly, and, and, yeah. and, and it's amazing to see that, but that's mm-hmm. like, that's, that's what it's, uh, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And so, and in so many ways, right. I mean, play, defined for them like that that's what they they thought of the most fondly too mm-hmm. right and but it wasn't uh, it wasn't about winning championships it wasn't no. and, and because that was already happening in that era where there was organized sports and some of these little ones traveled a little bit too and and right. did things but it was all about hopping on a bike a lot of times and, mm-hmm. and one um jim someone who i actually still keep in contact with he, he literally i can tell you this it, it's uh, it's <laughs> wonderful came and visited not long ago in the markham area i went over yeah. there i saw him i signed a copy of the book for him we've kept in contact right <laughs> and and um uh, and he sent me a, a Christmas Day text this uh, this past year, even too. So I mean, you're I mean, pretty spoiled to have that happen. But but Jim talked about being able to live. I mean, he was there in the early part of that that suburb opening up, and and here I mean, you've got quails, you've got badgers. You're you're able. And his parents let him go, right? I mean, he was yeah. still pretty young. I mean, it was before school even, but he was allowed to just go. And and some of it was play, yeah, but some of it's just. Con- 
kind of gathering information. It's it's riding his bike. It's 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 feeling the wind in his hair, whatever yeah. it was, too. And then sometimes meeting up with other people. But but those kinds of experiences are what are what children that spontaneous mm-hmm. play I think was and, and creative play that was easily their their favorite thing and sometimes a little bit terrifying because of course they were doing things sometimes that that they knew their parents wouldn't necessarily do but but even over or let them do but it changed over time too some talked about going and playing over at the University of Calgary as older mm-hmm. teenagers mm-hmm. too and just again remaking that space they weren't there yet they they hoped to go to university <laughs> one day too but uh, and I think of that here in Peterborough sometimes the way that that Trent situated mm-hmm. right next to a zoo and things too right, and, and you yeah. do you have trails and and, and you'll see sometimes kids just whatever using the river doing other things too and they're like it's a university they're like like it's a it's a center for higher academic learning but you'll see kids that they 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 have no interest in what's going on mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. the walls mm-hmm. for them it's they're all about swimming what's going in the river on. absolutely yeah so yeah together yeah. on the lawns and yeah 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 and and sometimes of that age like of of of, uh, of university age too but but so many times uh, when you see that integration and, and, and children just making a space their own. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. if there is one universal absolutely uh, that we can say um, about ch- childhood is that they, they find some way to some play way. at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I love to think of that. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people who are listening mm-hmm. to this podcast mm-hmm. have probably written a book <laughs> maybe are in the process of writing a book yeah. um is there anything that you you know any wisdom yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you have to impart or did you experience any challenges what what was that process like for you of actually writing this book did you have challenges along the way that you experienced was there anything that you really enjoyed about the process I, Maybe you can yeah, tell us a bit about that. I mean, that. I, I mean, I, I love researching. I think most people who identify as historians and things too, finding, I, I mean, I think the most exciting part about the researching element um, was finding documents that I knew no one else had ever looked yeah. at for a book too. And so <laughs> like being in some hunts. of the schools and yeah, absolutely. And, and them being so excited and, and, and almost uncertain about really you're writing a book about this or us or this <laughs> area too. And because that's what was neat about Calgary and partially why mm. I, chosen Calgary is that there'd been relatively little written about it in this period and, and, and almost nothing around children and childhood too at least at that stage so um, that was that was uh, that was exciting the, I mean the writing process is, is is laborious I think for some of us it's easier than others and and some chapters were, were easier uh, to do too um, oral histories are wonderful I, mm-hmm. I I would rarely I mean I can think of I guess some instances where I wouldn't uh, do maybe strict oral histories, but mm-hmm. but otherwise it would be something I would always look yeah. to integrate as a methodology. I just think it's it's as as you talked about, it makes things lively. It's a narrative. It's it's just it's it's so such important research mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. too. And so and finding a really good publisher. I mean, I uh, I I was really <laughs> lucky to uh, to to work with Wilfrid Laurier University Press and. And that, I, I mean, I can say selfishly too, that Studies in Childhood and, and Family in Canada series was, was where, even before I started the dissertation, it was it was where I hoped right. I would be able to publish too. And so I just, uh, the people that are there uh, too, and specifically someone like uh, 
uh, Cindy Camacchio, who who was also involved as with my as an as an external on my my dissertation too, was just somebody I respected so mm-hmm. so highly, and so um, she made everything just wonderful. I mean, I'd had I'd gone from working with someone like. Joan Sangster, and she also helped with the book too. Uh, and uh, an earlier MA work with someone like Alvin Finkel, who there was some related work to all this too. To have those kinds of people to to mm-hmm. lean on was just, I mean, it's outstanding. Amazing. And yeah. then and then the press itself was really good. Certainly, I think there's there's moments where not necessarily uh, acrimonious even or adversarial, but there's moments where you're getting pushback from editors mm-hmm. and yeah. things too, and things that you don't agree with and uh, necessarily. But but generally, it was it was a really good process Mm -hmm. and I mean I'd I'd highly recommend that press and that that series I think is one of the best series not only in Canada but but selfishly I mean that I I would say uh, one of the better ones that that you can find anywhere too so so it it went it went uh, it went really well I think the the one thing is though is at some point you have to decide when 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 it's over or near to over (laughs) too because you can keep going and going right and nothing will ever be perfect and and yeah, there comes those moments where I think you're looking at the at the book, even when it's even at that manuscript stage and it's been accepted and all those things too. And you think, oh yeah, I should probably change these things. And you just <laughs> understand that you that you can't. Yeah. And 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 you get a lot of voices I think coming at you. And, and in the end, you have to just be true mm-hmm. true to yourself mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and say no. Um, as much as I appreciate that, or I'll take part of that, but I can't do that whole thing yeah. because yeah, I think more and more. Um, academics are being asked to do to do a lot more too mm-hmm. so um and and not that they all, haven't always but i think it's it's really difficult mm-hmm. to write mm-hmm. a book something yeah. you're facing mm-hmm. once you're a working uh, <laughs> professor instructor too it's it's really challenging mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. To, to 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 fit that work into mm-hmm. but but again i think especially in in our field of of the history of childhood it's just so important that that we do because there's still far too many stories not being told or even if they're not being told they're not being told from uh, we've heard that story but not from the perspective Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. of of these young people too and I just think that that's it's just vital to to Mm -hmm. having some some broader understandings of of so many of these um, eras and spaces and uh, and uh, yeah specifically I think here in Canada too there's there's a lot of really interesting work to be done still yeah, now yeah. that takes me to my next question. Mm-hmm. It's good mm-hmm. that we that you're still working in the field, <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah. is there is there something next? Like, what's next for you? What do you hope to do now? Like you say, you know, there's things in the book. Like as you're doing this editing process, you have to cut things out. You have to um, really make these tough decisions. And there's things you, like you said when you're writing something like this. You could go on and on and on and yeah. keep editing, keep editing, keep thinking of things that you could add because, as we know, this the, this field is so vast, right? Yeah. So, you know, what do you hope to do next? Yeah, well, I've got the one chapter coming out in, in an anthology with University of uh, Toronto Press that, that I'm, I'm we're, we're updating it and I'm co-editing with Dmitry Anastakis, mm-hmm. and so that that's that's pretty well complete now too. But it's generally its focus is on. Um, the 1918 to 1920 Spanish flu and its impact and and how it's experienced by Ontario children because it's a book that focuses on Ontario since Confederation. So that was fascinating too. And I think that may lead to something bigger too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think now as we're, we're certainly not through it, but as we continue to experience this pandemic, I think there could be a very 
cross comparative mm-hmm. and a rich history to be written on those experiences uh, between uh, yeah what was uh, how how children looked at this and 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 there's a lot of yeah there was a lot of little teasers and, and interest that because it was just a shortish chapter that I couldn't get into so that chapter alone yes but then building on that potentially and then. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many. I, I always have so many different projects uh, in mind, too. But <laughs> but another big one that, that I've, I've been working on, too, is I'd like to do a broader history and, and something building kind of on Zin, Howard Zinn's, one of my all-time favorite mm-hmm. historians. And so he did not only a people's history of the United States, but he did a young people's history of the United States. So I haven't completely figured out how to conceive it all, too. And I've pitched it to different places and, and just kind of more casually, not, not as formally uh, to some spots, too. But uh, not sure how it would all look but I'd love to do a young uh, people's yeah. history of oh, Canada wow. that would that would um, focus not only on children's perspectives but but also have vignettes and have mm-hmm. some active history that would be designed for younger people to yeah. read too so it would be more like again at, at maybe an upper uh, secondary level and then maybe the undergraduate mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. too and, and broad readership too but, yeah, that, but that would be a book to yes beyond absolutely. Ac- to academia but also Yes. Beyond academia, yeah, and and mm-hmm. have um, have that perspective across because there's there, obviously there's some child uh, histories of childhood of, of Canada and those things that that are out there, but um, not something that that's maybe quite as specific as I'd I'd like to make um, this too. And it, they're they're usually not typically um, kind of um, targeting uh, young mm-hmm. younger mm-hmm. people too. And then yeah, I mean finally I, I've thought about not necessarily a sequel, but something that builds on on oh, Boom wow. Kids and yeah. maybe look, looks that um and i haven't started any of that work but maybe looks at the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. too because i right. think that um focusing on on generation x a little bit more and then some of the youngest uh boomers too because as i talk about in the book certainly the 70s come up and and mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. there's still not nearly enough written yeah. about the 70s and, and for whatever reason it seems to be the the, the lonely stepchild sometimes mm-hmm. or something too um that the 70s uh, could could use a lot more treatment and, yeah. and looking at the 80s too i mean as much as some of us who were were there for that think oh my gosh we can't historicize that well, of course we're saying we can now because yeah. it's like oh that was only 20 years ago and then of course when mm. when we correct ourselves and do the math <laughs> and realize no that's 40 to 50 years ago now so absolutely um i think those kind of broader th- mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. things would be yeah, what, yeah, maybe some of it's aspirational at this point, but those would be the projects I'd, I'd love to, to start working on in, in maybe in succession, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe side by side, yeah. who knows. Maybe all at the same time, like, back and forth you, you, between you them. You never know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure everyone who has read Boom Kids is probably patiently, maybe not so patiently, <laughs> anticipating <laughs> the next work that comes from you, I'm sure. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we can have... One more question. Um, just this might be a very difficult thing to answer, but yeah, it's okay. What what would be like a central thing, like one major message that you would want people to take away from Boom Kids? Right. If there was something yeah. that you want to stick with people, yeah, what would that that's be? a great question to get. I think just that that telling these histories. And looking at these histories um, at any time and, and anywhere from the perspective of, of childhood, children, and youth, though, is, is essential 
to us understanding not only these young people, but understanding ourselves mm -hmm. too. Because I think one of the, the biggest difficulties of doing the history of childhood, children, and youth is that everyone has, has experienced that, yeah. right? There, there's, there's <laughs> like, like in one form or another, as much as it's, 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 uh, it's, it's constructed, of course, um, um, childhood itself, but, but to, to, to a lesser or greater degree, we've all experienced that. So everyone's got this built in expertise <laughs> too, but, but sometimes, um, we, we either neglect to think about it or we don't think about it and, and it's still an afterthought. So I, I, I want people to, when they, when they read something like Boom Kids is, is certainly take away this idea that children mattered then they, mm -hmm. they were important not just to their families not just to their schools not just to their communities but but on a on a much broader le mm -hmm. uh, level too and that um think about where all of these stories remain untold and then and then unearthing those finding those mm -hmm. and having those discussions because i think it will make everyone's relationships with with their own children whether it's nieces other other young ones too and 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 bring more understanding to that because of course yeah. i mean nothing's idyllic either mm -hmm. i think this mm -hmm. book shows exactly. that like yeah. there's some things are better than others certainly and 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 as i think the one line i use in the book at one point is that that all of these young ones they had a lunch every day right and that's yeah. profound right because mm -hmm. right now in calgary other places we know that one out of five one out of six young ones go to school hungry and yeah. don't have a breakfast don't have a lunch and so mm -hmm. i i certainly that that's important to me is still working with with some of uh, those kinds of groups and doing that kind of work too and, and thinking about all of that but i think a book like this it, it can almost maybe have just be that um i don't know if it's a gentle reminder or not but just that that uh these these young ones in our lives are are central and mm -hmm. and that um uh they're they're certainly worthy of of uh of historical work without mm -hmm. question mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah i think that's a really amazing message to pass on just like children's voices have meaning um, even though this, you're you're looking at children's experiences from the 1950s and 60s, this is something that is true now. Like we have to listen to what children have to say. We can't just see them as those passive sponges, right? We have to give them that space and and see that they have agency to construct their experiences and shape ours as well. I think that's so important. Yeah. yeah. Well. Thank you so much, James, for, for sharing this with us. It's been a real pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thank um, you, Kate, uh, too, for your time and, and effort to, to read through the book. I know how busy you are and everything, too. And so, and I hope your own work, I know that something you're, you're thinking about is turning your own work into a, into a book here at some point, too. And so I hope that process goes well for you as you continue to search for, for all of that uh, to get all that work done mm -hmm. too. So yeah. yeah, I appreciate that and, and the opportunity to, to speak with some listeners here at the uh, mm -hmm. Society for the History of Children and Youth too. It's yeah. been lovely. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to Shusai Podcasts. You can find more materials and features from the Society for the History of Children and Youth online. S-H-C-Y dot org.